live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. This is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Oh, here we go. Tyler's off today. Probably sitting at home looking at his Taysom Hill uh, poster on his bedroom. I would think after that performance last night. Who's in? It's Pops Ramirez. Willie Ramirez joining us here on the Press Box. Pops, what's going on? Edward? Usually I'm sitting at home listening to that intro. Jared's yeah. slamming my earbuds with that music, and I, I'm usually at the dining room table with the laptop open and Kahlua on my lap. You better tell people who Kahlua is. Oh, I was just like, all right, Willie likes to party. Yeah, Jared Knight gave us the uh, give uh, gave us the look when you said, I think I know who Kahlua is. I probably do, but you better tell the masses. Kahlua's the, my eight-month-old dachshund. Okay. All right, who's Jared become a hiking both. specialist? <laughs> did you think what I? Th- yeah, I thought I, th- I, I, I was. You thought I was hitting the yeah. hitting the bottle? Of course. <laughs> well, you did. You, you got your workout in. You know, it's time sure. for relaxing. Oh, I got my workout in already this morning. Woke yeah, up you, at you couldn't just, sleep. Couldn't sleep. Just woke up in a, a little bit of a anxiety. I don't know what it was. There's nothing going on. I mean, got the Pac-12 championship tonight. Everything's cool. Was at Raiders yesterday. Did Cofield and Company last night? I mean, just woke up. Just say, okay. And then here's what happens. You wake up and, you, you know, you, okay, I'm going to fall back asleep. And then all of a sudden it's, that was at 2.30, and then it's 3 o'clock, and you're still on Twitter scrolling or you're <laughs> clicking links and you're reading. You're like, okay, I could just sit here until the alarm goes off in 45 minutes, or I could go to the gym and get some cardio in. So you already know. Pops at the gym. Jared and I go back to sleep. Let's yeah. start it. <laughs> the first bite. Do we really believe the Raiders are a playoff team? Football Outsiders give them a 24.7 chance to make the playoffs as last in the AFC West. KC 83%. We think they're in. The Chargers 52, Denver 28. All right, Pops, it seems like it's a week-to-week proposition. They're 6-5, Washington football team coming on Sunday. You win, you're 7-5, as Jason Fitz told us yesterday, and then you're really thinking about the playoffs. You lose, and you're 6-6, six and six, and everyone's looking at the draft board. Uh, you're out there every day. I, I just think it's week to week. We have no idea. Derek Carr, the great stat on Derek Carr, he throws for 300 or more. They're 6-0. and He doesn't throw 0-5. His numbers are astronomically different in both senses. So where do you put this team, 6-5, and going into the Washington football team uh, game in terms of do you truly, truly believe they're going to make a run or are we going to talk about three weeks from now what yet another uh, collapse? Well, in three weeks from now, we're going to talk about how did they go 1-2 and two. because they're going to beat Washington – And then they're going to go to Kansas City and they're going to struggle, I believe. I I don't think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to lose a tough one like they did last year here. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem there is that one week later, they have to go to Cleveland. And Cleveland's going to be playing for its life as well. So that's going to be the key game. I think if they come out of the next two one and one, which should be fine because then they'll be seven and six with four games left. So you, so the thought process well if we go 4 and 0 you're 11 and 6 you should be in. Uh the Cleveland game is probably the most important game that's left because that's going to trigger your last 3. They host Denver, they go to Indianapolis and then they host the Chargers. Right. So I personally right now I I I mean those are analytics that football outsiders are throwing at you. I can't believe that Denver is a higher chance maybe it's because of the improved defense. You know, we looked at the numbers I crunched the numbers through the first, whatever it was, seven weeks, eight weeks, where combined the – oh, 
was it Tyler? Somebody asked about for the first X amount of weeks where the AFC West stood compared to the Chiefs. And then since week eight, the Chiefs were 4-0 and Denver was the best team. So I get it. They've improved. But I think the one breakthrough that we've seen, which we're going to talk about later in the show, is Deshaun Jackson. He's finally figured it out. He was on this field for 42 snaps against the Cowboys. He's really opened things up. He allows other receivers to do even more. We saw Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller you know, uh, get their career best. So I think with the offense maybe getting that confidence, we heard Adam ask that question yesterday, was it more than just a must-win that the team, from a mental aspect, the confident aspect, and I think that's important. So I think the Raiders are going to play with a different swagger, the swagger we saw those two games uh, that they that they won um, convincingly, Denver and Philadelphia. I think we're going to see that this weekend. Um, it's It's those two next road games that are important. Okay, so what you're saying is, and I know you uh, talk a little bit about you have a story coming out for AP and Deshaun Jackson, is that he could be the difference in where they are worst in the field, which is in the red zone. 28% efficiency. Uh, they rank 28th across the league. A couple things, uh, and Tyler mentioned this earlier in the week, it's bad in the red zone when you can't run because you, you turn around and hand the ball off with no confidence. They're 27th in the league in rushing among 32 teams, 89.1 yards a game. And their offensive line has been not even up and down all year, for the most part down. They've had some flashes where you're like, okay, are they improving? They've had some injuries. So why do you believe Deshaun Jackson, perhaps in the red zone, can help them overcome that in terms of what you've learned about Deshaun Jackson? He finally talked yesterday. Yeah. He came and actually he talked for the first time. He was, you know, I, I read the quotes. He was terrific. Yeah. And I got out of there after the coordinators. You know me. Uh, I get, you know, I listen to the coordinators. I get what I need, and I'm on the road. Wait, 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 time out. Let's 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 clarify. Was it yesterday that you had to come back? No. That was two Jared days. Jared will love this. Uh that was two sidebar. Days so each day we're we have to wear COVID trackers on our hand. It's just a little kind of white little box and it it beeps red all the time because it's you know, figuring out who you're around in case someone would test. It's positive. red when you get in range of people. Yes. It's green if you're isolated. If you're isolated. So we're always red because we sit next to each other in the media room. And you're, it's a wrist. It's like a watch. It's a wrist. You connect it to your wrist. You have to, when you leave the facility, you have to leave it. I mean, because then they, if again, if someone tests positive, they can go back and look at these little things. They, oh, Ed was close contact. He also has to stay away. I was so rushed the other day to get out of there. It's still on my wrist. I leave the facility. You know it's way out in Henderson. Where And by the way, if you take it, you have to bring it back. It doesn't matter. I could drive to Phoenix, and I'm driving back with this thing because they said you must leave it each day in case someone tests positive. Jared, how far did I get? I, I'm assuming you got home. Not that far. Okay. <laughs> I did get to the strip. <laughs> I did get to the strip, and, I, and I'm, I'm re- getting on the 215, and I'm doing, you know, what is it? Uh, you know, me as a driver, is it 12-6 or 10-6? I, the fact that you're asking is a little more frightening than anything. Anywho, I've got the hands in the right position. As I turn right to get on the freeway, I'm like, oh, no, here it is. Here's the tracker. Get off the 215, go back on the freeway, go all the way back to the facility, run in, drop my tracker. Everyone looks at me and laughs, and I'm out of there. So it was yesterday then that wasn't the tracker. What it was, Jared, is Ed got caught between the coordinator and Nate yeah. Hobbs because and the Nate day Hobbs. before it took forever between Basaccia and Carr, and then there was a delay. So 
Ed comes out of the restroom, I guess, and he was getting ready to leave and Hobbs, and you kind of don't want to disrupt, or he came in from a phone call or something, and then he sat down. So he had to stay. So he left, and you missed Deshaun Jackson. The quotes are great, but to see him and listen to him, he was actually really entertaining just because we talked about his birthday. He talked about some other things, and he talked about wanting to play against NFC East teams. He spent 11 of the first 13 years of his career with NFC East teams, the Eagles and the Redskins, so when he plays against them, he really gets fired up. Um, had breakfast or breakfast. He had his birthday dinner with Marshawn Lynch uh, Wednesday. And he, he was actually happy that he got to spend the weekend here uh, without a game. They right. were off right. because it was so he treated it like a birthday weekend. But it was funny because he said, you know, it was funny because people asked him, you know, how or Paul Gutierrez asked him, how, how's 35? He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's only been one day, you know, and, and he tried to he tried to quash he about turning else, 35. But, but yeah. And then, well, that was no, that was with the with the with the guy with when Case asked him, you know, have have other younger guys come up. He goes, yeah, in the handshake line before or before a game, they'll come up during warmups to be like, man, I've watched you since I was a kid. He's like, oh, whoa, easy, easy now, you know. Let me kick your a before, and then later we can go with the friendship stuff. And so it was just, <laughs> it was all entertaining. But then, at, then toward the end, as he was squashing all this getting old stuff, he, at the end, he goes. Yeah, Las Vegas used to be a party town for me, but now, you know, I'm 35, I got to chill, and so on and so forth. So anyway, he was just, he was very engaging, and it was, it was, it was enlightening. So back to your question, Red Zone Deshaun Jackson, there again is where you now have other targets. If he's on the field, and he's, he's, he's a major, major, since he's been in the league, I want to say it's 25 or your more yard receptions. He's number one since he's since like 2000 or whatever, or not 2000, um, ah, since he's been in the league. Mm-hmm. But even going back before he was in the league, he still ranks among leaders of long yardage play. So if you just get, let's say you're at the 19 and he's in the game for that longer play, he's going to be a distraction. He gives breathing room to Josh Jacobs. He gives breathing room to Hunter Renfro for those short yardage, quick slants. If you're inside the red zone and you're facing a second and eight to get to the 12 or whatever, he opens things up a little bit differently, even if he's a decoy. Think about it. He was he caught three passes on Thanksgiving, but he was on the field for 42 snaps. Right. Renfro, Waller, um, season best in receptions and yards. Or not Waller. Um, Renfro. Renfro. No, Zay. But Renfro also Renfro had a and high Zay. in receptions and yards. And Zay, also, Zay had in season best. So that's because Zay Jones, because that, that helps in having him on the field. So I believe that now that they're in sync, now that they're in rhythm, and going back, he replaced somebody, right, Um, which I I refuse to say his name, but he replaced somebody and he provides that deep ball threat. But what he also brings that that other person did not bring is that veteran presence, that he can see things and remembers or knows nuances and come back to the huddle and say, hey, I'm seeing this this tendency where a first or second year receiver may not pick up on that just yet. You may have a high IQ in football, but Deshaun Jackson is a very intelligent football player too. And Derek talked about that on Wednesday in that before the game, hey, we can share a look. I think Vinny actually, that was his theme of his story is uh, on Wednesday for Thursday's paper was that they could just share a look with one another because of how Derek explained it. 
Greg Olson yesterday, the offensive coordinator. It started, I mean, we're talking about the red zone here. I asked him specifically about the red zone. Carr between the 20s has been terrific. Like I said, he leads the league in passing yards, but only nine touchdowns. What does that tell you? It tells you when you get in the red zone. Uh, whether it has he hasn't been good, they can't run the ball. Like Willie said, maybe Deshaun Jackson hasn't really uh, you know, involved himself in the red zone yet. We know what he did against Dallas on the long uh, reception. Greg Olson, it starts at practice, at the preparation, at putting together a better plan. We have to make sure, depending on the scheme we're facing, that we're promoting the strengths of our players. I need to do a better job with planning and preparation and practice and execution of it. This is Greg Olson. Greg Olson very rarely doesn't take blame for whatever's wrong is happening in the offense. I'm not going to put it all on Greg Olson. Like I said, they can't run the ball and they can't block. So when you get within the 20s, you're kind of limited in what you do. Now, two games ago, you and I sat there as they threw three in the flat, uh, no, actually, one in the flat they run and, and and another in the flat. It had no chance. None of them had any chance of of scoring when you throw to the short side and there's you know there's not as many blockers as our defenders. So let me ask you this: You're talking on the opening drive after they recovered the fumble yes. against the Bengals. Yes, against Threw the behind Bengals. the line of scrimmage the, from the nine yard line. Right, exactly. They Ridiculous. run for three, I believe. Then the two passes in the yeah. flat. It, it was uh, to me if those were the play calls and he didn't check into them, I thought they were horrible play calls. So where do you put this on Greg Olson or where do you put it on Carr not checking into things and seeing and saying, you know what, that's not a great call for this. I mean, how much are you putting the red zone troubles on the guy who's now leading the entire league in passing? I'm going to – well, first of all, you're talking about leading the whole league. Well, in passing yards. No, in, in, in passing with the, yards, with the 20 plus. The yeah. uh, that particular drive I'm putting it on Greg Olson. Because you're you're the coordinator and you are the play caller and you're the one that's studying the game film and you're putting the system together and that's the first drive. So on that instinct that they recover a fumble, you're on the field. It's not Derek Carr's job to come out and immediately no, you okay, you know, you're hey, we got the ball, let's go. So you're out there immediately on the nine. Greg Olson should know. Now, if we're in the third quarter and that happens, Carr needs to communicate, say, hey, no, 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 this isn't gonna work because this is what they've been doing all game. Olsen needs to know immediately on that particular drive. So it works hand in hand. But um, if you're talking about that specific drive, you know, they recover the fumble, they get it on the nine-yard line, and boom, you're a couple minutes in the game. You call for Jacobs, and he gets two, three yards, and then two passes behind the line of scrimmage, and you got to settle for a field goal. You know, I don't uh, – I put that one on Olsen. But if it's later in the game, yes, it's, it's in both. They have to communicate. All right, there you go. We started off. It's Ed, Willie, and Jared. Willie in for uh, Tyler Day. When we come back, all oh, those poor small market teams of Major League Baseball. After the owners' meeting in Chicago, I made clear the rationale for an off-season lockout. It's the norm in professional sports, and we feel it's the best strategy to protect the 2022 season for the benefit of our fans. Back in the press box. Ed, Willie, and Jared. Remember now, 745, our Friday Pro Football Pick'em Contest. $300 on the line. $300 line. Be listening at 745. Jared's going to give you three games. You're going to try to pick the winners. If you get all three, we're going to give you $300, sponsored by Dollar Loan Center. All right. So we heard Ron Ma- Rob Manfred coming back, Commissioner of Baseball. I want to go over a few things here. Uh, we know this is going to come down to money. It always comes down to money. The universal DH, all the other stuff they're talking about means nothing, and the players want more money. One of the specific things they want is they want free agency to start sooner, one year sooner when they're 25 and not 26. Why? Because then if you're a free agent and you're one of the best players in baseball, you're getting a lot more money up front. Here's something Rob Manfred said yesterday. 
we already have teams in smaller markets that struggle to compete. Shortening the period of time that they control players, keeping them in small markets, makes it even harder for them to compete. It's also bad for fans in those markets. The most negative reaction we have is when a player leaves via free agency. We don't see that making it early available early. We don't see that as a positive. Translation, if you make free agency sooner, the quote-unquote small markets are going to lose their stars sooner, and that's not a good thing for the competitive balance of baseball, even if you believe there is a competitive balance of baseball, given who you know often often goes to the you know playoffs and World Series. You have a different take. You don't even believe in small markets. No, because I believe that these teams are located in cities that are sports towns. What are we defining as small market? Small market meaning payroll. Their, their bank or their payroll. Right. Okay. So if their payroll's smaller, but that free agent or those free agents that want to come out one year earlier. At 25 rather than 26, they also have to step up to perform. So if you want to give that to them, they also they have to do their part. So if they want to opt out and have that option, it could in his argument, it could damage small market teams, but what's to say it doesn't damage the free agent if he does if he's not performing up to tax? Now it maybe lets the teams off the hook also because of okay, God, we, we got one more year with this guy. You know what I mean? You are, and then you're watching him sort of play a substandard, you know, performance. They don't have to wait anymore. So it go, it works both ways. My argument on the small market team is a sports town is, for instance, Kansas City, or let's say Milwaukee. Is Milwaukee considered a small market team? Uh, town? Well, in baseball, it is. Okay, yeah. in baseball, but you got the Bucks, you got the Green Bay Packers. To me, that's a sports town build your brand the Dodgers are not because it's a worldwide brand the Yankees are not because it's a worldwide brand the Red Sox you it's it's on you to build your brand is Las Vegas now is it a is it a small market pro sports town I mean the Golden Knights I mean it's hard to say that the Raiders are a NFL team when you have an NFL team it's somewhat hard to say okay Kansas City has an NFL team they have the Chiefs two-time AFC champs Super Bowl champs Super Bowl champs, not a small market town. Small market team, but you're in a sports town. Take your lap on the bus. <laughs> and they just won a World Series, right? Less than 10 years ago, and they went twice. So, I don't know. I I, I, I tend to lean with the – I'm always going to probably lean with the players anyway. I mean, in this in, I, in, in this regard, as childish as the league and the, and the, and the, and the owners are, I mean, I'm, you know. There's there's always an element, at least in my mind, of anyone who's backing the owners. I'm like, I, I I don't even understand it because oh, it's millionaires versus billionaires, and it's like, yeah, and those those millionaires would have to play baseball well into their seventies to come close to like a third of what those yeah. billionaires own, can, yeah. yeah, like own. Like, or what worse. are you talking yeah. about? Like, it's not even conceivable. One is one is. From here to California, and the others from here to the moon. Right. <laughs> we say this knowing the owners are going to win out here. Yeah. They always win out because they can hold out longer because they're billionaires, and they can say, okay, well, yeah, but you start missing your paycheck come spring I, training or I guess the regular season. I don't know when the paychecks monthly come to these guys. I mean, I don't know if it's the first of spring training or if it's the first game of the year, and all of a sudden I've seen this was a great story. I, was, I won't say the player, but when I was in San Diego, uh, not covering the Padres, but I would do – features and sidebars on them, it was payday. And it was, well, let's just say it was a closer. Uh, 
I, we saw, we were able to see the paycheck. And just to see that is just astonishing. It's right. just astonishing to see that paycheck. So when you talk about no regular season games have ever been lost in any of these lockouts, I think a lot of it has to do, and we talked about it the other day, is you start getting close to missing those paychecks, and that the owners are going to win out. They always win out in these situations. I'm gonna, I, I got one thing to throw at you. The owners missed out on a lot of revenue last year, pandemic. No fans when they did start up. They're not going to go through that again. They got a lot of bills to pay beyond what the, you know, now I'm not saying that every Major League Baseball player is make, you know, you have from the top to the bottom, whatever the average salary is. If they're smart, they're, they've saved their money. They knew this, this was coming. They've got money in the bank, right? The owners, they have to keep paying bills. They're not going to go another year or however long with no revenue coming into the stadium, coming into concessions, coming into apparel, whatever it may be. They're not going to go through that again. We just did that with the pandemic, that they had their hands tied. No sports. Then when they did start up, no fans. You think they're going to go through that again? They're going to rectify this. We're not going to miss baseball. I am saying I am going to say we're not that- going to miss a game. No, no. Quickly, I have a few minutes before uh, um, Ben Brown comes on. Quickly, you make a good point also how this could hurt uh, local kids. Yeah, I feel bad for the guys like Bryson Stott, Jake Hager, the local guys who have put in their time, put in their work. Hager's seen the bigs um, here and there. Um, but guys like Bryson Stott, who's climbing the ranks. UNLV they, star. UNLV star, Desert Oasis, former uh, uh, Northwest Player of the Year or Sunset Player of the Year. This is a kid who left before the pandemic hit to go to Florida, spent a week there, got ready to go through the, his first big league spring training, and then he was going to get relegated to A-ball, and they got sent home, missed all that, didn't get to play when the majors started. Then last year, did went through the regular, and then just kept going up the ladder in the minors, and then he's killing it in single-A ball, made the fall what's called the fall stars, he easily would have started at double-A, if not triple-A, and been in the majors by the All-Star break, my my prediction. But this, you know, something like this, it's got to be damaging. But he, and Bryson's such a good kid, he's not going, his mental game's not going to slip. But he's, you know, you're thinking about, man, I just went through the pandemic, now I got to go. And his career, is the star's on the rise. There's a lot of other local guys just that I know Bryson and have written about Bryson. But it goes beyond that. Like I said, Jake Hager, the guys that are in the minors that deserve, you know, this could hurt and be a trickle-down effect to a lot of local guys who have worked their tails off. All right, when we come back, it's Ben Brown from PFF. Get your get your questions ready, Willie. Football, here we go. Second and ten, Hill straight drop, sets, he's got all day. Going deep, left side, and the ball is, it might have been picked, was tipped, and it was intercepted. Play fake by Hill, back to throw. Deep to the right, underthrown, intercepted at the 20-yard line. That one was picked off by Damati KZ, his first since opening night. KZ, the San Diego State alum. You know, I'm going to promo that. Pleased to be joined now, though. Ben Brown, follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus Betting and Data. Hey, Ben, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited for, you know, some Week 13 NFL action here, that's for sure. Well, let's start, uh, before we get to the big game, Sunday, let's start last night. Uh, 
Well, they were helped that uh, Taysom Hill played with nine fingers and that he couldn't know he didn't know where to throw the ball. Uh, the Cowboys are. I just think they're strange to me. I mean, I I'm watching them last night. That it doesn't appear. I mean, Zeke doesn't appear like himself completely. They don't appear as explosive as they did early on, and yet people keep talking about, hey, this could be a team. This could be a team. Kind of put the Cowboys in perspective for me and how you how good you think they are and. Have you seen them of late kind of take back on the explosiveness? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they have 100% right. I, I think it's been, uh, you know, kind of one game since Dak Prescott came back from injury. Obviously, they had the really bad game against the Broncos. They did look good against kind of, uh, you know, against the Falcons. But other than that, it has been uh, a concerning perspective from people who have kind of bought into the Cowboys uh, in the futures market, right? They definitely don't seem like uh, they're really in that upper echelon of NFC teams. Uh, thankfully, you know, a couple other teams that we thought were really good in the NFC, like the Rams as well, have kind of taken a step back. So it looks more like a two, uh, two-team two race from my perspective. I do think the Buccaneers are still really good. I think the Packers are still really good. And outside of that, uh, there's a lot of question marks uh, around the teams that we kind of thought were going to be in that next tier for sure. Ben, I'm going to just jump right into it with what I think is going to be the biggest blowout on Sunday. The Rams are laying 12.5 to the Jaguars. They're mired in a three-game losing streak. They got thumped by the Titans, 49ers, Packers, all playoff caliber teams. Jaguars got two wins. They've lost three in a row, but they haven't scored more than 17 points in five straight games. I think traveling all the way to L.A. to face that defense is going to be fired up. They want to win. Jaguars played the Pacific time zone once. They've lost 31-7 in Seattle. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, right? Two touchdown differential, 13-point spread for the Rams. Uh, it's going to be really difficult to see the Jaguars score then, uh, score you know any sort with any sort of consistency, right? I think their team total is probably right around you know, like 14, 14 and a half for the game. I would be surprised to see them put up two touchdowns. So uh, I think it's going to be really ugly. I do agree with you. I do think the Rams, uh, you know, previously this probably would have been a, like a letdown spot, but it's looking more like a spot where they need to actually uh, kind of show out, get right, get that defense, uh, you know, playing up to caliber against a really poor offensive unit. And I think from there, if they can kind of show some things offensively, uh, that's going to be a nice building block for them to potentially compete again uh, in this NFC, you know, playoff race. But I think uh, for right now they are a team that definitely needs this type of game and a really quality performance for them. And that's kind of the spot that I'm buying into as well. It's Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Okay. Here in Vegas, we're seeing one and a half, some twos around town. Washington football team coming to town. We talked about this off the top. Vegas six and five. It's a week to week thing with the Raiders, right? I mean, if they're six and six, all of a sudden we're looking at the draft board. Or if they're seven and five, it's like, oh, well, they can make the playoffs. Uh, where do you see this game? We saw Washington uh, the last few weeks. It looks like they're solving some things defensively, especially against the run. And the Raiders, we just don't know week to week. We saw what happened in Dallas. So, how do you like this one? One and a half, two. Yeah, I definitely think the Raiders are the correct side. Um, Washington, you know, has played much better than expected. That's been mainly based on Taylor Heineke. Right? And he is PFF's highest-graded quarterback over the previous three weeks. Is that sustainable from sort of this, like, journeyman-type quarterback? I don't necessarily think it is. I also think their defense, I know you talked a little bit about it, you know, the run game, they have kind of figured out that run defensive unit. They did lose Chase Young uh, to a torn ACL a couple weeks ago. It does seem like they patched that hole pretty well, but this is a defensive unit that's really beat up. Montez Sweat looking like he's going to be doubtful as well. So I don't know if they can kind of hold the pieces in place if the Raiders are productive offensively. I think if the Raiders kind of do what they did against Dallas again, right, get that get those deep shots happening early. They obviously got their, you know, early touchdown to Deshaun Jackson. If they take the top off the defense a little bit more, that was kind of how they were successful 
early in the year when they kind of had Henry Ruggs in the fold, that's when I think they're kind of playing their best offense. If they get that going early, uh, I think this is going to be probably an easy covered victory for the Raiders here. Let's keep it there, Ben, and talk about those both defensive units because that's the, been the one strength for, for Washington, has been its defense that they can count on. And the Raiders still have the, the best edge-rushing duo. I think that that 49-and-a-half that's in there, 49-49-and-a-half, is maybe just a tad bit high. I'm thinking that this is one of those games that lands on, you know, 24-17, the low 40, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, what's your thoughts on the total? Because I thought that that 49 yeah. was kind of high. Yeah, I do agree with you. I do think it is, you know, up a little bit higher than what we would expect. Both, I think part of it is the fact that uh, some of these offensive had, have had some of those big explosive plays uh, in, the, in the previous week. So maybe, you know, if there's one or two quick scores, that could happen also. Uh, you know, with some things as far as the Raiders applying pressure at one of the highest rates in the NFL, that can lead to some of those big swinging EPA type plays that, uh, you know, a defensive touchdown or a turnover in the other team's red zone that leads to a quick score. Maybe that's uh, factored in a little bit here, but if those plays don't happen, I think this is going to finish well short, right? I do think we could be looking at even like a 2017, 2014 type of game or something like that. I do think that it's going to be more of a defensive slugfest uh, and I do think the Raiders definitely have the pieces in place to win that type of matchup as well. All right, let's move on, but stay in the AFC. Chargers traveling across the country to go see Cincinnati. Now it's their second straight road game. And last week they go into Denver, sort of laid an egg offensively to have to turn around and go back against a Cincinnati team that is playing really well. 32 points couple weeks back here in Vegas, 41 points against Pittsburgh. They've got three straight home games. This is the second one, uh, and it seems like it's a low number. I like the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's kind of the way the market has moved, right? I think it opened up right around minus one for Cincinnati. has moved all the way up to a field goal differential. I still like it even that at that key number three uh, for Cincinnati. I do think they are the better team. Uh, the Chargers have just you know, kind of fallen off by the wayside, right? So we have, we have the Bengals, 11th best team in our ELO rankings. Chargers 21st best. So given a little bit of the home field advantage, given some of the, you know, the rest factors, the travel factors that you, that you indicated or alluded to as well, uh, this should be much closer to like a four and a half point spread uh, from my modeling perspective. So I definitely, I definitely think the Bengals are, are the correct play uh, from a betting perspective in this matchup. At PFF underscore Ben Brown, Ben Brown here with us on the press box, talking all things football. Ben, you talked about real quick before we talk about another game. You you mentioned how you thought it was a key, the key number on three. I want to know your thoughts on. I, I it was and I bring this up because I was speaking to a long time handicapper last night, old school guy, dinosaur from back in the day. Used to do the TV shows. Um, I've also been very close with Billy Walters, uh, world renowned sports better. Two different philosophies on buying the half point off the three. And it's it's some say it's automatic, you gotta do it. Three or three and a half, buy the half point. Others say it's not even worth the value. What are your thoughts on buying the half point? Yeah, I mean, if you are getting a decent price, I do think the books probably uh, have that half number priced out to the point where it probably isn't worth it. So that's the that's the typical lean that I have. But you can find some books uh, where they are taking uh, the value of that three into account enough. And I do think those are the spots that you can target it, but you can, you know, run those numbers pretty easily. It is, you know, it is sweet that you can, you know, go back and forth with a guy like Billy Walters, who is, you know, like my idol in a lot of ways, a person that I would definitely, you know, look up to. And there's a reason why I've gotten so involved in, in the sports betting market, but uh, just hearing other people's thoughts and then kind of being able to do 
some of the, you know, rudimentary math by yourself, I do think helps sports bettors in general kind of decipher, uh, you know, some of those indications. And from my perspective, I think it's a spot where you typically, uh, you typically just want to not buy uh, the half point in most scenarios. All right, let's keep it in the AFC West. Uh, the Denver Broncos going to Kansas City. Uh, Denver's defense has improved. Now, since week eight, the Chiefs 4-0. The Broncos have been the best of the other three, 3-1. Three and one. But they're laying a big number here. What's your thoughts on the Broncos-Chiefs? Because we've got a lot of AFC West fans out here. Yeah, definitely. I, I kind of lean towards uh, Denver as, as a high spread, right? I mean, if we were talking about this matchup, you know, three or four weeks ago, uh, there's no way that we would have probably expected the Chiefs to even be more than like, you know, seven, seven and a half point favorites. The fact that it's gotten all the way up to nine and a half, there are still some lingering questions related to this Chiefs team. I know it was a really popular narrative early in the season, the fact that they, you know, can't cover. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they've had a couple quality performances, have covered, and all of a sudden that's like completely forgotten. So I definitely think the Broncos are uh, the correct play. I do think that they are going to have some early defensive success against this Kansas City Chiefs team. So I also like it uh, to potentially go under 47. If it goes under 47, uh, I don't think there's too many paths to the Chiefs uh, covering the nine-and-a-half point spread. So that's that's kind of my lean on this game. I do think the Broncos are being uh, just a little bit undervalued here in this one. Our buddy Jimmy Vicar of the South Point tweeted a t- ticket today, Buffalo 40,000 on the money line. Uh, it was not myself or Willie. I want to promise you that. It might have been Jared. Uh, three, two-and-a-halfs around town. Well, Big that's game, where I Tyler's think. at. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, I think uh, a lot of people are looking at this in New England, how they've defended, but Buffalo, you just never know week to week if they'll explode or not. So, again, mostly two and a half around town. I think a lot of people are looking forward to this game. How do you like it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be, you know, the game of the week coming up here on Monday Night Football. I'm definitely excited. We have both defenses in our top five uh, opponent-adjusted grading metric. We have the Bills one spot behind the Patriots. So I don't think uh, – I think people are kind of elevating the Patriots defense a lot because of Bill Belichick uh, and his ability to kind of – scheme uh you know scheme those sorts of situations where he can be really successful against a team that has been a really dynamic offense i still think uh, the bills have a much better offense than what the patriots have put forth i do buy into josh allen just a little bit more so i definitely think uh, that they are the play at anything under a field goal differential i'm seeing that minus two and a half uh, and that's the spot that i have already bet the bills and i think i would probably continue to bet them uh, here on Monday night, I do think that we're going to see. Uh, I do think we're going to see the Bills kind of show why they should be considered the one or two best teams in the AFC and not the Patriots here on Monday night. All right, let's go to the AFC North. Baltimore is at Pittsburgh. We heard Ryan Clark on uh, you know on TV say you know he won a Super Bowl with Big Ben, but uh, he's been very critical lately, saying that it's time to move past him. Sort of sending a yep. message to his coach, you know, it's time to move past Baltimore Lane. Uh, what is it, four and a half now, I think? Four and a half across the board. 44 is the total in Pittsburgh. Thoughts on that game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, and I would agree 100%. I do think it's time. Uh, something has to change in Pittsburgh, right? I do think it is big bad. Lowest, pa- lowest PFF passing grade on the season so far this year from him. So it's just it's a spot where they have playmakers around him. He just doesn't have... He just doesn't have enough left in the tank to actually get that ball out in a functional manner in order for this offense to be successful. So I definitely agree with that. I do think the Ravens are the correct play. That is the you know the the way that the market has moved. I think it opened up right around a field goal out to four and a half. I still don't mind laying the four and a half points with Baltimore. I do think this could be a little bit of a um, you know a beat down spot for Baltimore, kind of establishing why they are that best team in the AFC North here. And, you know, the, the changing of the guard probably has already happened, but I think this is going to be uh, definitely official here on Sunday. 
Incredible stuff, as always. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Ben Brown. It's Ben Brown here with us. Thanks, Ben. Terrific stuff as usual. Yep. Thank you both. Have a great show. There you go. Appreciate it. All right. $300 on the line. Pro Football Pick'em Contest brought to you by Dollar Loan Center. Caller number 11, Jared's going to get you. We're going to give you three games. Just pick the winners. 300 bucks in the line. 702-364-1100. Right now, 702-364-1100. Caller number 11, please. Rolls right, not much of a rush. Intercepted by Diggs on the sideline. It's been a month of Sundays since you had one of those, youngster. Back in the press box, it's Ed, Willie, and Jared. Tyler's off today. Here we go. We do it every week. Our pro football pick'em contest brought to you by Dollar Loan Center. Brandon's on the phone. Brandon's going to try to win $300 this week. Hey, Brandon, what's up, man? How you doing, guys? Good morning. Good. How are you? All right, it's I'm really easy. Well. Jared's giving you the games. Uh, I'm going to repeat them. All you need to do is the winners. $300, no point spread, no nothing, just winners. Let's start it off. New England at Buffalo. I'm going to go with Buffalo on this one. Yeah. I think it'll be close, but I think I'll Buffalo edge it out. All right. Chargers at Cincinnati. Got to go with the other home team, Cincinnati. Okay. Hot. Going home. And then uh, here we go. Washington football team here at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to go Raiders. Oh, Raiders. Cowboys. It's a little scary, but All right. I'm going to go with them. So if you get Buffalo, Cincy, and the Raiders, we're going to send you $300. Thanks, Brandon. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Appreciate it, man. What do you think, Willie? He's got, <laughs> what do you think, Willie? What do you think? Will, he's got the Buffalo. He's going to lose Monday. Oh. oh if he, if he, here's the thing. If he goes 2-0, and if he goes 2-0 and on a free, it's basically he's got a free $300 bet on Buffalo to win, right? It's no point spread. There's no points of no, no points spread. So if winners. he so here's the thing, you guys set these up beautifully for these guys. If he hits the Raiders and the Bengals, he's got a free three hundred dollar bet on the Bills. He needs to go bet one hundred and fifty bucks on New England money line. Period. You hear that, Brandon? End of story. Why wouldn't you? Or bet him plus two and a half and hope that the Buffalo wins by one. Monday Night Football. Jared, this is the kind of expertise <laughs> yeah. we get from. We haven't had this weekly. We just say yeah. you this guy set picked... these guys up for a Monday for like, well, you get by giving them the Monday game, and no, then if he no, goes no. two and zero, oh, no, no, we... I'm saying set them up in a good way. Oh, right. we... but usually, yeah, we, we totally is... did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not that smart. <laughs> usually, what we do is. We look at the lines, and they're going to get the three closest lines. And we're not going to give them, we're not gonna give them the Rams with no points no, over, I understand. over Jackson. I understand. Though. So those are the three closest lines. So so the thing is, if he goes 2-0 and oh, and he picked Buffalo, why not go put money? I mean, it's a free $300 bet. But someone says, hey, I'm going to give you $300. If you can pick the Monday night winner, okay, I'm just going to take the favorite, and then I'm going to go bet the other team on the money line, and either way I'm going to win. We just made Brandon money. Yeah, well, no, right. he's got well the Raiders and the Bengals got to come in. That's true. Yeah, that's the Raiders true. and the Bengals got to come in. So the Raiders might be the part Raiders. that I'm, all, listen, I'm always Brandon, scared. Listen, yes. because I just hooked you up with with uh, uh, because I just hooked you up with a, a great idea. Oh no, I you know at some point you just, just make sure you're listening to 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 one of the shows I'm on with Cofield, and and I'll be expecting a Starbucks drop. Yeah, <laughs> just oh, kick right. him, kick him a little catch. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, Brandon. We wish you the best of luck, and obviously you don't I can't need it because you're going to make money either way if you get to the book. I can't believe that Jimmy Vaccaro tweeted out Tyler's $40,000 bet. Yeah, can you imagine that? That's yeah. where Tyler was this morning. Yeah. Forty. Just, well, he's got all those well, horses yeah, he's and sold, chickens. Yeah, the chickens and the horses. Down. He's he got the horses, won. the chickens, and the bills. 
All right, real quick, you believe in the 27-17? Well, Taysom Hill last night, that was a disaster uh, with the splint on the finger. I thought that was very bizarre. They keep showing it. Um, Trevor Simeon had to be on the sideline going, Yeah, I can't guys. even get in. This guy's got a splint on his finger. <laughs> He's throwing pick after pick. The defensive line is picking him off and returning it for quarter. You know, some 300-pounders returning it for touchdowns. Sure. How can't I get in the game? He's just holding the clipboard the whole time. I... I would not be surprised to find out Taysom Hill is somehow like Sean Payton's son-in-law. <laughs> I mean, how bad Oof. must Simeon be? I don't know, but the Saints are going to New York or to the Meadowlands, and they play at the Jets and at the Buccaneers. I want to know what the line's going to be at New York next week. Uh, oh, you know what? I can, uh, you know what? It's already out. The line's already out for next week. Um, They're going to be favored. The Saints are laying six and a half yeah, at the Meadowlands. And by the way, the Chiefs are laying the Chiefs. What did I say earlier to uh, to our guy Ben? He's so the Chiefs are laying nine and a half this week to the Broncos. Next week already at several books, Chiefs are laying ten to the Raiders. Wow, ten. That's all. And there's at. there's fearful of another lap around the uh, stadium and the bus, the and bus. they're laying ten to yep. the Raiders. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six. Books, ten. Okay, I'm surprised you. Yeah, that's uh, that doesn't even compute to me. No, I thought they had like two good games. I thought you were gonna say like six and a half. Could be because the Chiefs came here and spanked. Okay, maybe. Yeah. but I mean, we're talking about Derek Carr, the league's leading Le- passer in passing yards. We're talking about Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, we're talking about Deshaun Jackson. Stories at the top of my timeline. Check it out. <laughs> Real quick, you believe in the Cowboys? Thirty seconds. Absolutely, believe in the Cowboys. Oh, really? Sure. All right. They're going to come around. I, and I, I, I tell you what, Pollard just might be better than Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know if that's something that people just came up with. I really think I think other people have believed that for yeah. a while now. You know who? Zeke's you know who texted up. me last night? Our boy Vernon Fox, and he can't stand the Cowboys because he played with the Washington team. He's very impressed by Pollard. V Fox.